It's time for episode 39 of the Clockwise podcast from your pals at IDG, recorded May 29, 2014. Clockwise, four guests, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, a podcast aligned by ancient astronomers to match the rising and falling of the sun at the summer solstice. I am your co-host, Jason Snell, and far across the country from me is my fellow co-host, Dan Warren. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jason. That, I feel like that introduction gives us a lot of credit for something that we didn't really do. We're like Stonehenge, is what I'm saying. I, yeah, I've been there. It's, um, we are sm- slightly smaller, sm- slightly less blocky, but yeah, we're otherwise sp- pretty much the same. We're standing on the shoulders of giants, the inventors of this podcast a thousand years ago. Anyway, we don't have time for that. This is the tech podcast that we uh, we like to do where we can talk about four tech topics in 30 minutes or less, uh, which means we have to stop our yammering and start introducing our guests. Sitting near me is Leah Yamshan from TechHive. Hello. Hello. Hi, Jasons. And hi, Dan. That's right. Oh, that was foreshadowing. She oh, said Jason's yes. plural. That's right. What might that mean, Dan? Spoiler alert. Well, that means our other guest is Jason Cross. By process of elimination. <laughs> By process of elimination, who is joining us for, I think it's the first time in a while, you've been you've been out and about. You've been b- busy doing things. I don't know, nothing important, right? No, just getting married and stuff. Yeah, you know, whatever. You no know. big deal. Honeymoon. Those <laughs> blah, things. blah, yeah. blah. Boring. Yep. All right. So uh, here's how this works. We each bring a tech topic we think is worth talking about. We talk about it for about five minutes, and then we move on. On to the next topic. I will go first. Here is my topic. Um, did you see the self-driving car? Google, who has been doing the self-driving car stuff for a while now, uh, in Lexuses and Honda Civics and and uh, Priuses and things like that, uh, debuted a- another thing that doesn't actually exist. <laughs> it's just a, a test thing. But they made their own little car, and it looks like a roller skate that you could hug. Um, <laughs> and I, I just I wanted to talk a little bit about about the the self driving car. And if you saw the video, what you thought of it. And if you think, does it make you want a self-driving car more? Do you think self-driving cars are more likely after Google did this? Or or did it make you not want it or make it less likely? Leah, what do you think? The video was adorable. It reminds me of a ride at Disneyland because the car kind of looks like it's yeah. smiling at you a little bit. It looks like one of those it's, little mechanic cars from, from the movie cars. Yeah, or like the little Chevron figurines. Yeah. Um, it was adorable. So I, I liked the video. Google did a nice job of really showing how um, these cars could be useful in a variety of scenarios and showed how roomy they could be and how they really do eliminate the need to have you know, a steering wheel or anything that we think of as like a crucial component of a car. Um, But I mean, the design and the speed, everything still just kind of seems like novice to me. It's not quite there. It's like a fancy golf cart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just just what you want to drive around. Self-driving golf cart. I think the size of this new model in particular could be of interest um, to city drivers there's a ton of smart cars and a ton of Fiats and Mini Coopers and things like that here in the city um, as kind of a secondary car, never as somebody's primary car, but just something to drive around the city. So maybe city drivers would be interested in this new prototype, but um, I mean, there's still a lot of questions that I have, particularly about parking in any scenario. How does it handle street parking? Um I, I think it never parks. It, it never just, parks. It just keeps it just circling. Goes, and you hop out and, and then you roll, get back tuck in. And roll. <laughs> 
I mean, for city drivers, maybe this new prototype would be something they'd be interested in. But for general <laughs> consumers, they're probably going to be more interested in like the Lexus. Speaking so. as a city driver from a city notorious for its drivers, let me tell you how I don't think that's going to work out very well around <laughs> here. I mean, it's all well and good to be able to run this on streets and, you know, places that are are well laid out, as I think much of sort of the, the uh, Bay Area Like has. the Google campus, you mean? Yeah, for example. <laughs> let's see it try to deal with, like, the bizarre rotaries, one-way streets, and other crazy stuff that we have around Boston. Then I might be impressed. I, I don't know. I'm, I like driving as a, as a thing. I drove eight hours down to Baltimore this past weekend. Just, you know, I, I could have taken the train, but I like driving. Um and I'm a little wary of turning that over to a computer. Yeah, I know all the rational arguments about, you know, computers having better response time. And in theory, there are certainly a lot of places where it could definitely help safety. Um, you know, people who are texting while driving or people who just simply don't see things or at night when you can't see as well. Um, that said, this is still in the really early stages right now. I think it's interesting. And I think there are a lot of areas where I feel like it's going to start encroaching around the edges of people, for example, like... You know, uh, older folks who can't necessarily get around anymore or aren't allowed to drive anymore. I think that's a a really good sort of introductory point. Um, Folks who are, you know, just learning to drive, having that as a backup system that can take over is probably kind of a cool idea. Um, And I think as it starts pressing in from those edges it may start becoming more and more prevalent. I love the, I love it. They built the Johnny cab. It's great. It's, <laughs> uh, so without the little guy who's pretty important, but uh, I mean, it's obviously a science project that could never be like, they'll never get regulatory approval to build a car that a human could not drive if they wanted to. Right. The, that is fully out of the responsibility of a human being <laughs> yep. like that. That's we're so far away from that being something that could legally happen uh, that, you know, th- this could never be made. On the other hand, it makes so much sense. There's so much room in a car kind of wasted on all the mechanisms necessary to make you actually drive it, that if a computer was driving it, you'd get all that space back. You can make a small car and still be roomy. So I really love that idea. I think that would be really great for uh, a lot of situations where you could have sort of a closed area. Um <clears throat> Well, yeah, retirement communities and things sure. like that. College campus. College campuses, things like that. I can imagine it being sort of like a cab thing. I can imagine when I'm in a retirement community in the future and I have my version of what a smartphone is, I can hit a button and a car will pull up and it doesn't even have a driving apparatus or a driver in it and I can get in it and I can go somewhere else in my little you know, retirement community. So I think there's a lot of room for things to happen there, but I think the idea of a car that a human can't drive if they wanted to, is not something we're going to see on the roads, like, any times, probably in our life. You might call it a non-starter. Yeah. I like, I mean, this is a concept car. I like that they're basically saying, what if we designed a car without a driver? What would that be like? Just to sort of put it out there. Um, Something that's an interesting argument Dan sort of made it, which is that people like to drive. Anyway, I think some people don't like to drive and some people... um, 
and and self-driving cars, those people will use it. But I don't think it's going to be one of those things where we tell people you can't drive. Like uh, people like to drive uh, stick shift cars instead of automatic transmissions. And there are fewer of them because now it's sort of you do it because you like that style and not because of anything else. Anyway, I think it's really interesting that that Google is being a provocateur here and saying you think self-driving cars are crazy. How about self-driving cars without steering wheels? Now how do you like it? And uh, I think that's really interesting that they're that they're pushing everybody here. And it is having an effect on the car industry, which I think is interesting. Oh, that, that just gave me an idea where uh, Burger King makes the Whopper with like four patties, not to sell the Whopper with four patties, but so that the Whopper with two patties looks less ridiculous. Uh-huh. Maybe that's the goal here. Maybe the idea is they're going to try and make a, a regular self-driving car seem sane by ha- going more extreme. No, no, there's no steering wheel because the Winter Soldier ripped it out of the car. <laughs> yep. That's it. That's what happened. All right. Let's move on to our next topic. Leah, what do you have for us? Um, I want to talk about uh, smartwatches and wearable devices. I'm not – I have yet to jump onto the bandwagon, but it's such an interesting space to watch. Um, Yesterday, Samsung had a big announcement about their new SimBand platform, um, and the company is totally positioning itself to be a leader in this space, Um, not only with its own smartwatches, but now with – this platform um, and kit for for third-party developers to use. So the SimBand has all of these things, a zillion sensors that can uh, measure like blood oxygen, CO2 levels, heart rate, hydration levels, skin temperature, galvanic skin response, whatever that is, has to do with sweat, I think, um, and motion. Is this too much too soon? Um, Do any of these features particularly excite you guys? And what would your ideal health or fitness wearable device be like? The health devices sometimes scare me because I feel like a little bit of information is a dangerous thing, especially when it comes to health. I mean, just look at all the people who Google stuff on like WebMD or Wikipedia and they're like, oh my God, I'm dying. So like the first time that your, your smartwatch like fritzes out and you're like, oh my God, I am dying right now. I'm having a heart attack your right now. It's like, oh, nope, totally dying. just your sensors. Um, so there's, I think there's a danger there and this, this has to be done in a smart way that is not just sort of like, let's pass on the raw data to people because let's be honest, most people have no use for that data. It's cool. You sort of think about it a little bit, but like, you know, I'm seeing they've got like, like a ECG data. It's like, no one needs that. You don't, you don't need like, mm. mo- or at least the vast majority of people don't need your, that. Your and most of us might. can't read it. Right? right. Sure. But like, you don't need that constantly on your wrist telling you what your ECG system is, uh, you know, other than someone who is at risk for a particular type of disease or condition. Right. I mean, my mother has a pacemaker, for example, like, you know, it could be there is definitely stuff that she's, you know, worn a heart monitor for a week or two. while they collect data and figure out like treatment stuff for that kind of diagnostic purpose. It makes a lot of sense. But just sort of like a constantly like this is always at your fingertips. I don't think that's super necessary. Um, that said, you know. There are definitely places where it's useful, but I, I don't know. I, I'm i sort of on mixed feelings in terms of seeing what the applications are. We've seen that the data is there, but what are we going to use it for? What are the apps look like that, that interface with this? What is the ultimate use for your average consumer? Um, is it like we're tracking stuff and storing information so that later your doctor, like when you go to the doctor's office for physical, they like download it from you and like, well, I see your blood pressure has been spiking when you do these things, right? 
Um, there, there's certainly interesting ideas with, with capturing all that data, but there's also a lot of, I feel like there's risk and uncertainty about it as well in terms of what the utility is and whether providing more data is really a good thing or not. So uh, I'm kind of okay watching this from the sidelines at the moment and seeing what the eventual applications are rather than diving in with this first realm of uh, prototypes. Uh I don't think that well first of all Samsung just wants to be a platform onto themselves right this is and and to that end this is really kind of not going to go anywhere in the sense that Samsung will do this and it'll be used with Samsung devices and Samsung this but Apple's not going to jump on board and other Google manufacturers Android manufacturers and stuff are not going to jump on board to Samsung's you know platform and ecosystem and stuff so they'll they'll target a vertical health market with this kind of thing and that's really what it's good for and they may do well selling all these things to hospitals or something like that but it it's very health focused it's not they didn't talk about it's not a smartwatch per se it doesn't they didn't talk about other notifications or music or any of this other stuff so maybe they'll build this into their own smartwatch platform or something uh, as dan said it's too much information but they're not really talking about this for consumers. They were talking about the, here's a platform, developers will tie into this, healthcare providers will tie into this, and then the idea is you would hope somebody's going to make an app that will do something useful with that information and not just like be, oh, here's everything you don't need to know about yourself. Uh, but Samsung doesn't have a great track record with this stuff so far. They don't, I mean, their accuracy and usefulness of the, all the health features they've done so far have been pretty suspect, you know? So it's, I, I caution whether or not I would wear one of these things on my wrist and trust that if it flagged that I was having some problem, that it was really, I was really having a problem. So eh, I, it's, it's a space that's going to be really interesting in a few years, but this isn't it. I, I feel like Samsung is, um, doing it's fascinating because samsung is doing essentially the opposite of apple apple seems to be one of those companies that um it may be even be the only one but it, it's careful it bides its time it comes up with something that it thinks people are going to want and then it releases it samsung's approach seems to be literally anything they can think of they will release it in a product or maybe many many products and hopes that um, I'm not sure what. Hopes that something catches that they can turn into something more interesting down the road or that they get credit for being out there first so they can tweak all their competition. But it doesn't seem like their strategy is – it's not a strategy, strategy to get a product. It's a strategy to cover all possible bases for whatever people will use in the future. And we, we've seen this with their phones too, that, mm-hmm. that they, they throw in 30 features and nobody uses 28 of them. And you know that's just – that's their strategy. And so it's interesting that they're really into wearables and into health stuff. But I don't get the bigger picture about what their strategy about this stuff is. It just feels like anything they could technically do, they stuck in a device. So that's mm-hmm. that's Samsung. It may, you know, they they're out there early, and that is, we'll see. But I don't feel like there's a coherent story there. Yeah, I mean, even if their strategy isn't something that is necessarily successful, uh, Samsung they're they're clearly trying to think ahead and they're trying to anticipate everything and anything that people would want in a device. So they're trying to get their technology out early and then hopefully build on it and improve on it in future devices. And maybe get data about what people actually use. Yeah, and hopefully, I just want to see actionable data, as Dan was talking about. I want, you know, to plug in my fitness goals 
be working out, have it tell me, hey, your heart rate isn't quite high enough to meet this fitness goal. You should run a little faster. Okay, now your heart rate's too low or too high. Slow it back down. You're getting really sweaty. Maybe you should have some water because your (laughs) hydration levels are low. Um, Once it can make, I want to have it make real world suggestions for how I can improve my health. That's what I want to (laughs) see. Well, uh, we've talked so far about how Google is renovating or uh, revamping driving and how Samsung is trying to do health. So let's talk about the home. There was a rumor this past weekend that Apple is going to introduce a home automation standard platform something at WWDC next week. I'm curious to know uh, what you guys think of that and whether it's an area that is ripe for an Apple-like touch. Jason Cross, what do you think? Uh, I really hope they do that, uh, if only because there's a lot of very cool smart home stuff out there, and it's in a hundred million little different fiefdoms and closed ecosystems and stuff, and they really need a big player with a big platform that has a lot of stuff to come in and kind of force them all to at least to some degree work together, or at least all talk to your phone in the same way or something, so... Uh, smart home stuff is really in need of a certain level of standardization, at least in how they all talk together and work together. And I really hope that that's the approach Apple's taking here. Not that they're going to go make a bunch of products, but they're going to come up with some sort of platform or ecosystem or standards that people can d- use to talk to your phone together. Uh, and that, I think, will really open it up for a lot of people. Because if you've ever tried to install some start home stuff now, it's Home Depot has their own thing, and this other company has their own thing. Everybody's got its own separate subscription and their own separate devices they control and don't control. It's just a mess. So the mess needs to be cleaned up, and Apple would be a good company to start doing that. And then other, we could have like, you know, a Google ecosystem or some other other standards could follow, but it needs some standards. It's funny how you, you put it that way. I think that's exactly it, that you get some a company like Apple uh, involved and saying it's important, and that makes sort of everybody go, oh, well, this is important. We should pay attention to this. I think Apple has the ability to get uh, the in- tech industry to focus on categories because everybody does watch Apple and see sees what Apple does. And whether Apple's thing becomes a standard or whether it pushes a competing standard or a compatible standard or something th- to push this down the road, I think that's exciting. And I do think that... Um, that uh, if Apple is truly interested in this category, that will be great for this category just because everybody else will... Uh, there'll be a certain degree of it's important now because Apple says it's Crit- important. Critical mass. Yeah, yeah and, and that Apple can put that stamp on it by saying, look, if Apple cares about this, then we ought to care about it too because we don't want to let Apple get ahead of us. And then the ball starts rolling a little bit more uh, throughout the tech industry. And I'm excited about it. I think that this is... I think what we've learned uh, over the last few years is that home automation is not this monolithic thing that there are these there used to be these crazy home automation controllers that you had a server somewhere. And now with the the Internet of Things sort of approach, um, I feel like uh, it's starting to make a lot more sense that you might have a uh, a Nest thermostat here and you might have a drop cam camera over here and you might have a smart lock on your door and you might have I Phillips mean the Hughes and so on exactly yeah. and then those and then there then you just need something that's smart that can can coordinate them all a little bit better so that and your house can work together to kill you to kill me <laughs> exactly so that's that's uh, yeah that's what I'm thinking is that it's good news for everybody even if what Apple does ends up not being like the super standard it will push uh, the whole thing forward in a good direction. 
Yeah, I would love to see an iOS-like platform um, that controls all of these different parts of my home, devices in my home through these different apps that um, maybe even could work with iOS on on my phone so I can program things as I'm heading home and kind of get things ready um, while I'm there. So because because it is Apple and because of their track record, it would probably be, I mean, we, as we were talking about, there isn't really one complete ecosystem. Um, so if Apple were to do the first, like, full home ecosystem, I would say it'd probably be pretty successful. Um, Apple rarely phones things in. So this is if they're going to release something, it's probably something they've been working on for a while. And it's going to be ready to go with a couple of different areas in the home if if they're going to be announcing it next week. So that would be exciting to to watch. Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting idea. I've seen some smart home devices. A friend of mine has like the I think it's the Philips the Hue lights that he so he can like change the colors on them from his iPad. I, I guess that's useful. Um, so yeah, it it's an area that hasn't been focused on that much. As Jason Cross said, there's all these different little fiefdoms, and that's really I think probably held it back. So having someone with the weight of Apple come in and be like, all right, we're gonna try this this way. Um, is it provides a good bandwagon for a lot of other, you know, hardware makers to jump on and go, okay, great. We've just been looking for a standard <laughs> to sort of, you know, hitch our wagon to. Um, so I, I'm intrigued to see if this actually pans out. Um, even if it does get announced next week, it'll probably be, you know, until later this year before we actually see things that take advantage of them. Um, but it does seem like, you know, we talked about all these other areas with the Internet of Things and where technology is sort of disrupting established industries. And the home definitely seems like a place for that to happen. So count me interested. All right. Jason Cross, your turn. Speaking of cleaning up uh, ecosystems, the uh, it looks like Facebook's trying to back away from its uh, oversharing problem that they have, where uh, just recently they announced that they're changing the way that Open Graph works, where all of those uh, services and apps and stuff that you use that constantly share every single thing you do, and you just get little notifications that, you know, Leah has played a song, you know, and every single thing is going to drastically reduce the number of things that they share. They're just going to occasionally share some things. I don't know what how they're going to determine which ones, but they're going to share some things. And they're also encouraging developers of apps that interface with Facebook to give users more control over uh, being able to automatically share fewer things uh, more carefully and being able to select those things. So I want to know if uh, you think that this is the right approach for them, if this is what we want out of Facebook, and if it's enough. Is, is this going to – we all kind of hate Facebook but gr- begrudgingly <laughs> use it, and it's the – you know, service you love to hate. So that's where my family is. They're on yeah, Facebook. So exactly. That's where I gotta so, be. so, but is this the kind of thing that would get you using it more? Do they need to go further? I think they're. I think they're doing a good job in um, scaling this stuff back. There, there was obviously the original approach of Facebook was just get everything in there, and they realized that you know you don't want to share everything, that people don't want to see everything, and they're they're on a on a good path. I think I I, I noticed that. A few months ago, when you connect an app to Facebook now, um, and it asks if you want it to post to your status area, not only can you cho- choose to have it only post posts that you can see, you can have that level of granularity, but there's a skip button that essentially says no. The skip button, yep. literally, it's mm-hmm. just like, no, uh-uh, 
I'm not going to let it. And a smart reason to do that was people – Facebook does want you to connect this stuff to Facebook. Um, and people were reluctant to connect – to use Facebook to log into things because they were afraid it was going to spam people's timelines. So I think it's a good – they're all – it's all on a good path. I know that I use a I use a, a beer check-in app when I try different beers in different places. So I have a list like, did I like that beer later? And uh, it posts to Facebook automatically and I got a comment from somebody who says, you seem to drink a lot of beer. And I said, well, no, I only – just only post to Facebook when I drink beer. So that's why. And uh, but I like being able to control what people see on Facebook. So when I post something to Instagram and cross post it to Facebook, that part of it is great. It's this weird. Yeah, I played a song. You know, I checked in on Foursquare, something like that, where I, I like the idea that um, Facebook's trying to be proactive about what people want to see, because most people, unless they are your stalker, they do not want to see that stuff. So I think it's a good move. I completely agree. I think um, right at the beginning, Facebook was just trying to get everything to connect to the platform. And uh, people seemed to be into the sharing aspects. So they're like, OK, we can we can share everything with with everyone and you can control who sees that in your privacy settings. But, you know, the the Facebook privacy thing is still a confusing piece to a lot of people. I would say I'm pretty Facebook literate and I'm pretty good about making sure that my apps aren't going to be posting things that I don't want it to see and things still like slip through the cracks. Apparently Pinterest decided it wanted to share every single little pin that I was interacting with. It wanted to post it to my page and I was pretty sure that I had marked that as private, but whatever, that's another that's another <laughs> thing. Um, I haven't seen, um, since they made this announcement that they were going to scale it back, I haven't noticed anything on my, in my feed that has changed yet. I'm still seeing everybody's, you know, Spotify playlists, um, come up, but I'm keeping an eye on it. And if Facebook, Facebook's definitely thinking more about how, um, it's, users are responding to these things too because they announced that they're going to be allowing um, anonymous logins through apps too. Mm-hmm. So if you want to to connect, um, to sign up for a new app or feature with your Facebook credentials, it doesn't necessarily need to be linked to your account. So that's an exciting thing that they're, that they're working on mm-hmm. too. So yes, Facebook is moving in the right direction for sure. Uh, I'll say probably I don't really use Facebook. I am on there. I'm the guy who's on there, but I don't really post anything. And I only occasionally read stuff just because I, I mean, I do sort of have family on there and other, you know, personal friends, but I really spend most of my time on Twitter. So I don't find, uh, a part of that, that of course is the fact that I found Facebook kind of annoying. So maybe if they make it less knowing, I'll be more inclined to check it out in the future. Um, but other than that, I really only use Facebook when I have to, like there's a service that won't let me log in in any other way, or I really need to find out which of my friends had a baby. <laughs> All right. Well, I just posted something on your wall, so check that out, Dan. <laughs> oh, that would give man. you a reason to go back there. Before we go, we have one last thing we like to do, which is a bonus question. Uh, Applebot Beats this week. And I just want to ask, uh, because everybody's got an opinion about Beats as headphones and whether they're good or not, and they're certainly popular. What kind of headphones do you use when you're listening to music? Leah? I'm boring. Um, at work, I use these cushy Sony ones that everybody has. I think Jason has it written down. Uh, MDR V6. Yes. Yes. And I like them a lot. Um, just for out 
on the street traveling to and from work, being on the train and whatever, I just have some cheapy Sony um, earbuds. And for the gym, I just got these Plantronic, I forgot what they are. They're Plantronic wireless earbuds, mm. which are awesome for for working out because they don't get in the way and I don't feel like I'm going to trip on the treadmill with the cord getting in the way and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't pay attention to like the specs with the sound. It's just whatever is easy and it's going to work. Right. So. Dan, what about you? Yeah, I'm not a super discerning audiophile, so my go-everywhere headphones are a pair of foldable Sennheiser over-the-ear headphones that are really nice and have a built-in like uh, controller and mic for my iPhone. In the studio, I guess you could say, I have a pair of Shure over-the-ear headphones, which the main virtue of which, they are very nice, but the main virtue of them was they, they were free. Um, and <laughs> for the gym, I have a cheapo pair of behind-the-head uh, Sony headphones, which are crappier than my old version of those which i loved but which eventually broke jason uh i've used a lot over the years but what i currently mostly use is here at work likely i use the headphones that we've distributed those mdr v6 which are nice mid-range headphones at home on my computer or when i'm playing video games with headphones i use a set of astro a50s which are their high-end wireless models and are really comfortable and have a great mic uh uh, my earbuds that I use when I'm with my phone or at the gym or whatever are Sony XBA2 uh, IPs, which have the little inline in remote. I know. Great. And I left them at home once when I was traveling, and I bought out of one of those Best Buy vending machines a pair of Beats Tour uh, headphones, which were kind of the best thing they had. And for <laughs> like $70 that. probably. Uh, I think they're like 120 or oh, something. Man. But uh, but it was like the best thing they had at that thing that wouldn't just be like, uh, I can't stand my music with this. Because my Grados died. I had Grados at home, which were not comfortable but sounded great, and they kind of died. And I've got, uh, I'm an in-ear, a canal phone kind of guy, so I've got a, uh, a set of Ultimate Ears. I think it's the 5 that um, I, I, I've run out of cables that have the clicker on them, so now they're kind of, I only use them when I'm in an environment where I'm like plugged into a computer or something because uh, I can't use the iPhone uh, controls anymore. And then for the iPhone, I, I have a pair of um, Edemotic uh, canal phones um, that are uh, that have the clicker, and they they don't sound nearly as good as the uh, as the Ultimate Ears, but they have the clicker, and that's really useful when somebody wants to talk to you and you have to pause your music or your podcast. All right, we are out of time. Leah Yamshin, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Jason Cross. Thank you for being here as well. Thank you, and Dan Warren. Thank you for being my co-host again. Thank me. Thank you. And until next time, we remind you: watch what you say and keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.